I mentioned we're looking at our statement of faith, and if you don't know where that is on our church website, if you go onto it and say about us, and you will find our church um, the statement of faith. Um, you won't find the statement of faith in the Bible, but it's taken from that, and it's a summary of what we believe here at Kingfisher Church, Little Paxton. And we've been working our way through over the last few of these all-in family services. And this month, we are looking at the human race, what uh, our statement of faith, and indeed, more importantly, what the Bible tells us about human race. So let me read that to you. All men and women have been created in the image of God, have inherent and equal dignity and worth. Their greatest purpose is to obey, worship, and love God. As a result of a fall, our first parents, every aspect of human nature has been corrupted, and all men and women are without spiritual life, guilty sinners, and hostile to God. Every person is therefore under the just condemnation of God and needs to be born again, forgiven, and reconciled to God in order to know and please him. So we are going to be thinking about humanity, human beings. And as we wander around the streets, the shops, in our high street, or in this case Piccadilly Circus, that's what we're thinking about, humanity. And in particular, we're going just going to really look at the first sentence and that isn't because I'm try- it's an inconvenient truth, something we're trying to sort of hide. It's just that this is our statement of faith. And I think the aim is to keep on coming back to this in our all-in services over a period of time. So we are just going to focus on um, the creator God's original plan for men and women if I can put it like that, probably not quite accurate. Anyway, um, so we're going to look at this. All men and women being created in the image of God, inherent and equal dignity and worth. Their greatest purpose is to obey, worship, and love God. So there we are. So how majestic is your name? And here we're going to be looking at Psalm 8, verses one, two, four. And we, I don't know how well this shows up. Um, I don't know if, uh, anyway, I won't turn it out. This is the stars. Um, and I don't know about you, but when I look up at the stars, I'm just absolutely astonished and amazed. I'll be honest, I know I can identify very few of the constellations or planets, but where I live, it's on a north-south um, direction. Um, and because Northamptonshire is probably about six miles away of a border, there's not a great... I live on the end edge of um, Sorty, so there's not a great deal of light pollution. So if I look northwest, I get a really good sort of view of the night sky. In the summer, even in the winter, I sometimes just like to gaze at it. And if you've ever seen, you know, the stars, the, the moon, I mean, I, oh gosh, it's almost 40 years ago now, I was in the Sinai Desert, right by the Red Sea, it's between Sharm el-Sheikh and 
Um, and I've probably never seen the night sky with such clarity. The moon, you know, you can see for miles of it. And it just is awe-inspiring, just as we sang with that song there. You know, God is indescribable, uncontainable. And certainly, that's um, how I feel. I'm sure many of us do when we look up at the night sky and see um, that canopy of the stars, that incredible expanse. So, look at the first verse of Psalm 8. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. In all the heavens. And then we see in verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. You know, David, and there's no reason to think David wasn't the writer of this psalm. This is a psalm of praise which would have been used in worship, um, amongst the people of Israel, in the temple in Jerusalem. And he is awestruck. He is just full of wonder at the one true God, God in heaven, and all his creative power and might. As you say, his, his majesty, how majestic he is. That vast scale of the planets, the galaxies, the stars out in front of him when he looks up. And as as I say, David, we can see in this psalm, is full of awe and wonder to the creator God, the God, the one true God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I say, when I look up at the stars, I too, as I say, I'm not particularly, I can't work out all the different constellations and galaxies. I know you can get all these apps and things, but I still am just amazed when I look up at the skies. So I thought a quiz might be in order. See how much we know and what I don't know perhaps other people can be. It is extraordinary when we look up at the stars, the galaxies, the planets. It just inspires incredibly, just makes us awestruck almost. And then David, in this psalm, he goes on to say this. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. I think when we read this, again, we can just see how astonished, how struck by how incredible, how mighty, how powerful God is. And yet David knows, you know, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them. So although we might not seem particularly significant, the God, the creator God, the creator of all things, his power, his might, yet he still cares for mankind. And that astonishes David, doesn't it? He's full of wonder and praise. And you know, David, he would have known, he would have 
um, read Genesis, um, young boy, all the way through, you know, uh, as king as well in the sort of um, worship in the temple. So, in a sense, he knew exactly who man was, despite the fact in Psalm 8 it says, What is mankind? What, what is humanity? I mean, Genesis 1. Verses 26 to 27 is very clear, isn't it? Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. So God created humanity, mankind, human beings, humankind, created them, male and female. And they were the, and we are the pinnacle of his creation. As I say, David would have known both that we're made in God's image from Genesis chapter 1, but also, in, as we've seen in Psalm 8, he's just full of wonder and astonishment and amazement, yet the God who has created the galaxies, the universe, everything, put the stars into place, is one who cares for humanity, and yet he knows man is made in God's image. And David, whether he was a shepherd boy looking after his father's sheep in the countryside, whether, do you remember how he was pursued on the run, a fugitive from Saul, King Saul, or even now that he's a king, he would have many times looked up at the sky and just have been amazed at how incredible God is, his creative power and might, and yet he still has that care. He still knows about humanity, about mankind. And when we think of that, as sure as we come, as we look at Psalm 8, we get that impression from reading what David has written in those first four verses. We ought to be humble. The creator God, the maker of the stars and the planets, one who flung the spaces out into the sky, yet he knows us, he cares for us, he loves us, he's created us in his image. And so that ought to make us humble that we can come to a creator God, a God who loves us, who knows us, who in fact knows more about us than we know ourselves. And so with that sense of humility, that humbleness, why don't we sing? Why don't we continue to praise God Almighty, God in heaven, with this next song, All Praise to Him. Please do take a seat. So we're going to continue thinking about our statement of faith, about the human race, and particularly that first sentence. So we're next going to look at Psalm 8, verses 5 to 9. Know yourself. So what is mankind? What is humanity? What is humankind? I don't know if you've ever been 
on a bus, a tube, on the train. You sometimes think about that. Maybe you don't have such deep thoughts. But, but it is something I would imagine we all ask at one time, what is the purpose, what is the meaning of it all, without being too deep and philosophical. And I think people have asked that question probably from pretty much the beginning of time, and they still are asking that question, aren't they? And we saw how David, again, has posed that question. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings, that you care for them. You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over works of your hands. You put everything under, the th- under their feet. And I guess people can say we're just specks of dust in a great big cosmos. We're not very significant. Uh, perhaps it's just all a bit of an accident. Yet the Bible is very clear that we have been created by God. We've been created in his image. But nonetheless, you know that idea of exactly what are we, who are we? I mean, in terms of what we're made from, in many ways we are quite ordinary. Um, The Bible often refers to humanity as us. And in many ways, that's not far from what we are. We're made from pretty ordinary sort of um, stuff. Um, If you were to look at um, the four most common elements within a human body, it's hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, and carbon. And the sort of um, hydrogen and oxygen is basically water, H2O. So there's nothing particularly precious or valuable about the actual um, things which go to make up the human body before it's actually created. Here we go, we'll go for another question, see how we get, again, remember, I'm always right um, with the answer. So, this is one litre of water, all right? So, how many litres of water are found in the average male human being. And I know the average male human being is a pretty imprecise term, but just bear with me. So we've got four litres. Remember, this is a litre of water. So in the average male human being, we've got four litres, 40 litres, or 400 litres. So go on, Joshua, what do you reckon? Yeah, you're right, it is 40 litres. It's actually about 42, but it depends which website you go to and who you, who you, um, which one you consult. And they reckon this... I mean, if you see how much is all the bits which go to create a human person, you know, not the individual bits, but the whole body, the actual things which make up the human being, you know, as I say, the four main elements, the ones I mentioned, there's some trace elements, there's zinc, and I, I better be careful how far I go with this, because I keep telling you how I fail, fail all my, or failed all my O-levels in science, so, and I know there's probably some people who know what they're talking about, and I don't, but, I mean, this was a BBC um, forum um, site, 
and they reckoned that about £125 would be the cost of all those elements, you know, the water, the carbon, nitrogen, the bits, the, all those trace elements, so, to, you know, make a human body. So, in a sense, you know, when people say, you know, we're pretty insignificant, there's not much to us, in one sense, they're right. And, indeed, this is one scientist, and, you know, without wishing to misrepresent him, I'm sure he thinks humans are very important, valuable people, have dignity and worth, yet, it kind of, to me, undercuts it when he says, you know, when he talks about blind physical forces, nothing but pitiless indifference. Um, you know, the, you know, the universe you observe is, you know, has a properties which, if at the bottom of it, there's nothing, there's no design or purpose. Um, and yet, when we look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 27, and bearing in mind what our statement of faith said about the human race, how we've been made in the image of God, we have that dignity, we have that worth. So it says we're made in the image of God. So again, and many people have talked and discussed what does it mean to be made in the image of God? And I reckon an image, above all else, reflects the maker, the original. So when you look at the image, it gives you, tells you what the original, the perfect, the perfect thing was like. Um, and an image is made to represent and reflect the original. We've been made to know God to experience his love and grace and goodness and kindness and to reflect that back to God in praise and thanksgiving, worship, if you like, and also to reflect God's goodness, his love to the world around us. Look at verse 27. It's not something we do on our own. It's not we are, each one of us, created in God's image. But reflecting God's glory, reflecting his love, his goodness, his kindness, isn't something we do on our own. The only way we can truly and properly reflect God and his love is together in a loving community, being connected with each other and those around us. And in a sense, when we think of being made in God's image, the idea that this isn't some solo effort, something we do on our own as God's image, isn't really that surprising. When you think of the God of the Bible, the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now... This goes beyond our comprehension. It's mind-bending to think of a God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is one, but in three persons. And we are never going to understand that. Um, certainly not this side of um, heaven, anyway. 
But above all else, when we see the God of the Bible, the one true God, we know it was one God in three persons. So it's a God of relationship, a God of love, but also a God of community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have existed before time. Again, it you know, goes beyond our comprehension. Before anything else, it was Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in that loving relationship, that community between the three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three but one God. So it's hardly surprising that to be the image of God, to have that dignity and worth that we've been talking about when we look at our statement of faith, which, remember, isn't from the Bible, but is drawn from the Bible, and particularly verses such as this, Genesis 1, verses 26 to 27. <clears throat> We are reflecting the essential truth of God, the one true God. He is a God of love. It's that never-ending, never-stopping, never-giving-up, that strong love. You know, when we talk about love, we often have mushy, sort of sentimental ideas of love. But the love which the God, the one true God, shows is unending love for those, for his people, for those in his image. So we are to, and not only are we to um, know God and to love him, we are to keep on reflecting that, loving him and experiencing his love and goodness, and as I say, reflecting that out in, the li- in our lives, in our workplaces, at school, wherever it might be. So God has created us, and we are of great worth and value to him. And you probably saw this as you came in. This is um, Kingfisher Church, and this is, I don't know what you call them these days, mission statement, tag, whatever you want to call it. And it says, we are the place of God's presence, living and expanding for his glory. So, so we are the place of God's presence. We, um, as Kingfisher Church, Made in God's image. But as you say, we reflect God's love, his goodness, his kindness, his mercy. And we're expanding, living that out and expanding it. And it's for his glory. Because above all else, the one we will be most satisfied with is God. And we want to glorify him in everything we do. And we pick that up here, don't we? In verses 6 to 8. You have made them rulers over works of your hands. That's humanity. Those made in God's image. You have made them rulers over works of your hands. You've put everything under their feet. All flocks and herds and the animals of the wild. The birds in the sky and the fish in the sea. All that swim the paths of the seas. So God wants us to expand, to tell people, to live out what it means to know and love the one true God. And as we expand that out, as we um, expand, live that out for God's glory, um, God wants us to exercise that rule, that rule over creation, 
to fill and people creation with God's image, people made in God's image, to reflect that glory. And of course, that has huge implications. Um, so it matters how we treat people, doesn't it? Because the people we deal with at school or at work or wherever it might be, they are too made in God's image and they are precious to him. People are God's image bearers. And of course, how we live, how we expand for his glory matters, how we take care of creation too. These are all things which um, matter to God. And should matter to us. We're not going to sing it, but this is um, um, Who Am I by Awesome Cutlery. I suppose it's a children's song, but I think any song is a good song which teaches us something about God. And it does. In that song it says, I want to know who I am. So I'll listen to you. You are God and you tell me what's true. I want to see who I'll be when you're working in me. You made us to show your glory. And that's, I think, a great sort of um, line, lines, which tells us what God has done and what we are created for. And if we want to know who we are, when we listen to God, we listen to God above all by listening and reading his word. But... You know, and when we, th- you know, um, when we think about ourselves, when we th- David said, what is mankind? What is humanity? So, I don't know, we said about being humble previously. We are made in God's image. That gives us huge dignity, doesn't it? But also, it was God who created us. So that should make us humble. Also, I know when people think about themselves, they might want to compare themselves with other people positively or maybe negatively. Well, actually, what we really want to be doing is thinking about what God thinks about us, the one who has created us. And maybe when we don't think we fit in and we're all a bit rubbish at certain things, remember, I'm created in God's image. I'm special. I'm loved by him. Or maybe it is you're a bit too full of your own self. Well, again, look at what God says to us. You are God and you tell me what's true. And we do that primarily through reading God's word and listening to what God has got to say to us. So, as I say, we have dignity. And it's humble dignity. And that's because we are created in God's image. And when David, you know, would say, what is mankind? Well, we see what mankind is. We are the pinnacle of creation. We are made in God's image. We are made to reflect, be his image bearer in the world, in the place we're put. And yet, when we think about that, we're just awestruck. It's just an incredible truth. But one who is so powerful beyond what we can possibly imagine, could have created us, who knows us, loves us, and has made, it in, made us in his image. So with that in mind, why don't I pray?